Hey, can we give it up for those guys one more time? Way to go, way to go. Hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Tony, and welcome to City Point Church. It's just what we do. We try new stuff all the time. Hey, we are in a series called Shatterproof, and uh, this bistro table smells a little bit worse than it did earlier, uh, than earlier, but I'm fired up for this three weeks. Uh, and the truth is, uh, even with a little bit of uh, fun like uh, what we just watched them do, is there some areas in our lives that we have to make sure become shatterproof? Um, I actually hate it when things shatter. I was remembering this last week as uh, we were getting ready for today that my daughter Micah, once when she was like one years old, we were taking a picture with her uh, with holding Carrie's iPhone. And after we actually like gave it to her to hold for a second, she looked at it and then threw it right into like the middle of the street and shattered instantly. And I was like, oh man, why wouldn't you make things that are like a few hundred dollars shatterproof? Um, some of the cars that we have have shattered glass on them. Or uh, just the other night with our recent uh, baby, actually she's not recent anymore, I kind of feel like she is, but our 10-month-old uh, baby Ella, we had a plate of spaghetti, which is like, who would have one next to a baby? But a plate of spaghetti on one of our nice pieces of uh, uh, dishes, fairly close to her, and it wasn't for her, but I just remember in slow-mo, being on the opposite side of the table, her reaching up, and I'm like, oh no, this is not going to be good. She grabs it, pulls it over the edge of the table, and just down goes, the plate shatters, and spaghetti's all over the place, and I'm telling you what, I just had this moment for this series where I was like, some things just need to become shatterproof. Like, some things just have to be, and then it kind of dawned on me that there are far greater areas in our life that this should be applied to. Things like our marriages, and we just actually spent a three-week series looking at the Heartbreak Hotel. We said, Man, what would happen if we actually could shatterproof marriages? If we made sure that, hey, we poured some time into looking at what God had in store for, for people's relationships, and we said, those areas got to become shatterproof. This last December, we looked at a series called Hope is Here, and we said, boy, a lot of people live life with shattered hope. They don't have hope, and their hope is in shambles, and we said, we got to get hope to become shatterproof, and then even this last October, we spent a series on the family. We said, my crazy family, what if we shatterproof, basically, our families? And then I decided, you know what, this, this next three weeks, what, I, what do we want to do? Is I want to spend some time looking at an area in our life that, quite honestly, a lot of us live with shattered lives, and it's our money. And I know you might be going, well, create a series on money in church. I knew it was coming. I knew it. someday a money series is coming. But it kind of hit me that a lot of people live lives with shattered finances. We're one or two decisions away from just being completely broke. I mean, if the laundry machine breaks down, we will be shattered. Or if my car goes to the fritz, I mean, I won't know what I'm going to do. I mean, completely shattered. And I said, what does God have to say about this? Is there any way that we can shatterproof this area in our life? And I actually think we can. So that's what I want to do during this series. I want to look at how God would like us to shatterproof our finances, shatterproof this area in our lives. And again, I think it's severely important because so many people are literally on the edge of just being financially shattered. And I go, what would happen? Seriously, what would happen? is we were known as a group of people that just put God first with our money and we did our best to honor God and what he said that we should do and our financial lives just looked 
shatterproof, and they became shatterproof. Now, I actually think there's one move that Carrie and I have made, one move that I find in the scripture that really helps people become shatterproof in their finances. It's not in your notes, and the move is quite simple sounding, but a whole nother level of just getting there. The move is putting God first. Just literally putting God first in your finances, moving from a spot of going, you know what, um, I think I'm just gonna casually involve God with my money to going, you know what, God, you're gonna be in first place of my finances. God, I'm gonna move you to first place. You gotta be there. And just so you know, the truth is, we do this in all other areas of our lives if we've crossed over the line of faith. For those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, we do our best to put God first in our marriages, we do our best to put God first in our families. We do our best to put God first in our workplaces, our relationships, our hobbies. And so it's almost a no-brainer that we'd put God first with our money and our finances. But for a lot of us, I actually think that we actually miss out. You know, we kind of neglect, we forget at times. And the result, in my opinion, is the majority of people stressed out financially freaked out, not really sure how they're going to make it month to month. And so again, this whole series, I want to look at this one move of putting God first in your finances. I'm going to let this morning tee up the conversation for three weeks. And it's my hope by the end of this series that some of you would go, no way. I've never even heard of the idea that I could live a financially shatterproof life. And it's my goal that you'll find it to be true solely in the idea of putting God first with your money, trusting God with our money. Now, here's what I wanna do to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page, that there's no shame in this. I mean, we are not gonna uh, start passing a plate. We're not gonna start trying to guilt you into this giving stuff. Uh, the idea around this whole series is that for those of us who have put, in God, put God first in our lives, stepped over the faith line is how we say it, if, if we started trusting God with our lives, that this would be almost a normal thing that we'd do. And we actually understand, I totally understand, it took me a long time before I actually started practicing putting God first with my finances, and here's the idea. It's okay for what's normal for a Jesus follower to do to take a while before it becomes natural. We actually understand that. So again, kind of like lower anxiety and go, oh, God, God, this is not like some heavy pressure type of deal. I actually totally believe that what's normal for Jesus followers to do takes a while for them to become natural habits. I kind of think of when we sing together, there's, uh, there's kind of this idea that uh, it's okay for you to raise your hands in worship and kind of lift your hands up to God or to clap or actually enjoy singing along. And for some people, they go, oh yeah, I get that. That's normal. I should get excited. This position in, when you're singing when you're, is, is this idea of surrender, going, God, I give you my life. And that's normal for Jesus followers to do. And I understand that it might take a while for that to become natural in your life. Same thing for like serving. Uh, one of our core values is save people, serve people. Not everybody's like, yeah, I'll sign up to serve. Because it takes maybe a little while for it to become natural. Same thing's true with another one of our values is found people, find people. We just get it. That it's okay that if, if people just don't rush into going and telling all their friends about Jesus in their life and inviting people and sharing their faith because we go, again, that might be normal. It might be the, the right thing. It might be the normal thing for Jesus followers to do, but we understand that it might take a while for it to become natural. The same thing revolves around with this value of you can't outgive God, putting God first with your money. 
Now, I actually think that you could sum up this move of putting God first in your finances with one word, one word that's found in the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's one word that is really kind of a command by God, and the word is tithing. Tithing, and so if you're taking notes, I really want to answer two questions for you today, and, uh, and for a while it might feel like, all right, you're just kind of like doing a, uh, a teaching lesson on what this move is, and that's exactly right. I kind of want to make sure that we're all on the same page with what this move is. Tithing, uh, just you know, we'll answer the question, what is it? And then we'll answer the why question, why in the world would anybody do it? So what is it? If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. What is tithing? I mean, what are you talking? It sounds so ancient. I mean, what is tithing? Well, if you're taking notes, you can write the number one is tithing is literally returning the first 10% of our income to God's church. That's what tithing literally means. Tithe uh, actually means 10%. Uh, tithe is 10%. Now, there's a reason, actually, we chose the word returning instead of giving. It's actually a strategic move. There's a, there's a reason behind this. So we kinda, uh, when it comes to tithing, it's this idea that everything that we have has actually been given to us by God. Some people might push back and go, oh, wait a second, God didn't work my 40 hours or 50 hours. God didn't break his back, you know, working in the factory. And, and the, the idea behind this one is literally God gave you the breath and the lungs and the ability to do the very things that you've done. And so when God asks us to return something to him, what he's already blessed us with is all of it. He's blessed us with life. He's blessed us with breath, the ability to produce wealth. And so tithing in its simplest is returning the first 10% of our income to God's church. Now, uh, here's kind of a story that I came across the last weekend. I went up to an Iowa Hawkeyes girls basketball game. It was their last regular season game. They were playing the Wisconsin Badgers. And a senior night, and uh, just had my four girls, and, and by the end of the night, they all wanted to be Iowa Hawkeye basketball players, which was awesome, and just loved it. And uh, side note, uh, a few years ago, I would have never went to a, a girls, you know, like, basketball game. Now I'm kind of, like, into them, like, man, they're good shooters. Like, they got some game, and like, even one girl could jump, like, five times higher than me. I was like, these girls are crazy. Anyways, there was a, a family about three uh, rows north of us. It was his dad and his two sons. And his two sons are watching the game, and about, I don't know, uh, midway through the second quarter, they start, or, second, or the first half, they start bugging their dad, going, hey, dad, uh, can we get some ice cream? And he's like, no, just wait till halftime. They go, come on, can we get some ice cream? And halftime rolls around, and, and uh, it gets into the next, uh, next quarter, and, and they keep bugging, going, Dad, come on, hook us up with some ice cream. He says, fine, here's, here's 20 bucks. Bring me back my change. So they actually head up the stairs, which if you've been to Carver, um, I mean, with little kids, it feels like a mile-long walk up the stairs. But they head up the stairs. They grab these ice cream cones. About 10 minutes later, they come down with foot-long ice cream cones. I'm like, oh, crap, because my girls have seen them, and they're going to want some now. I'm like, dang it, that means that we're all going to leave here with ice cream all over us. But they come back, and you want to know what they do? They give their dad back $12.50. Now, I did quick math, and I'm like, that's $3.75 a cone. I'm going to go broke next, you know, like, my girls are going to see this and want some, and they do, and they start asking me, Dad, what about us? I'm like, gee whiz, I could, times four of you, yikes, I can't even do that math, you know, and, uh, but what I loved about this was they didn't come back down after getting the ice cream and say, hey, Dad, guess what, guess what, guess what? I'm going to give you from me to you, Dad. You want to know what they did? 
They came back down. So thanks, Dad. Here is your money. Here's yours. What were they doing? They were literally returning what they had been given. And that is the idea behind this thing called the tithe. It's this idea that God has blessed us. Everything that we have is from him. And when he asks us to give back to him, to return kind of this act of worship, this move, he's going, hey, it's not you just giving out of your own money. You're returning something that I've blessed you with. Now, why is that important? It's important because he wants us to know that everything, the truth is everything that God gives us is a blessing from him. He blesses us, and he allows us to give back to him. Listen to how Leviticus 27.30 says this. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, and back then their produce was the way they acquired wealth, and their grain and their fields. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So God gives you money, and we return back a percentage to him. Um, the, the nice part about this is it's 10%, and so we've got simple math here, and I was able to do this even this morning. If God blesses you with a 1,000, simple math on this is we return back to him 100. It's 10%. Or if God chooses to give you 100, we return back to him. I'm going to see how good I am. Oh, I shouldn't have licked my fingers. <laughs> return back to him 10. Same for 10. We do one, if God chooses to bless you with finances, he asks in return through the tithe for you to give him in return, return back to him 10%. Now, let's just say that you made $25,000 a year. $25,000 is a lot of money. 10% of that, moving the decimal, you know, pretty simple math on this, over would be $2,500 a year. That's how much he would say, you're returning to me in the tithe. If you were to go, well, that's kind of a large lump of sum. If you were then to divide that by 52, you get $48 a week. That's the tithe. That's what God asks you to return. Now, why are, why are you telling me this? Simply as a teaching moment to go, if you want to know what it's like to put God first in your finances, it's the idea of returning to God the first 10% of what he's blessed you with. The first 10%. Now, number two, I know this is maybe not as like, you know, glamorous sounding, but the second thing what the tithe is, number two is this. Tithing is giving God my first, it's giving God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. That's what tithing is. It's giving God my first and my best so that he can bless the rest. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor him with, the, with your wealth. It's, it's the idea of putting God first. Honor him with your finances. And then I love this next word, with the first fruits of your crops. Give God your first, the, the best of what you have. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. He's simply saying, what are we gonna do? We're gonna honor God, we're gonna have this move of putting God first in our finances. We're gonna give to God first. Now some of you are going like, well good grief, is God some greedy God? He wants my first and my best, like come on. And the truth is, I think just God doesn't really want your leftovers. God's not like so excited about you kind of going, hey, it's the end of the month, I've spent money on myself, my kids, my hobbies, and my toys. Now here you go, God. And some of you are like, well, what's wrong with that? 
And it's almost, it's almost this idea like, he's not that excited about your leftovers. Uh, last night I went and grabbed some Kentucky Fried Chicken. Some of you guys are going to be like, oh my word, are you really going to pull this out? How excited would you be if I were like, come over to my house for lunch? And you're like, well, what are you eating? I'm like, well, I got leftover KFC. And I think most of you in the room would be like, are you serious? I mean, no, yeah, I'm serious. Here you go. Here's, now, there's a couple chunks on this bad boy. It's still pretty good. Now, most of us in the room, that is horribly gross, and I couldn't believe I did that. Most of us in the room would get that. We'd go, okay, all right, all right. God doesn't want my leftovers. He wants my first. And maybe a little pushback on that still is, well, isn't he okay with just anything? I mean, isn't God, like, isn't he okay with me right where I am? And I'd say, yeah, he is. But there's a posture behind this that is really significant. That God has only ever given us our best. He's only ever given us his absolute best. He's given us the best savior. He's given us the best life that we can live when we accept him as our Lord and savior. And so when he says, you know what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to put me first, not solely in your money, in every area of your life. He goes and give me the best. It's why we do marriage series. It's why we just really look at this idea of spending time with God, making sure that we have 15 minutes a day with God, going, God, I want to give you the best part of my day. Spend time in the Bible with you. It's, It's this idea that if we're going to shatterproof our finances, it'll start with us putting God first and then believing that he can bless the rest. Now, I want to spend the rest of our morning kind of moving away from just kind of the elementary lesson of what is tithing and actually kind of maybe share some reasons why in the world would anybody get possessed to actually give to the local church? I mean, why, why should any of you actually take this step of faith? Obviously, the move is because it's what God asks us to do, and it might take a while to become natural, you know, the normal things that God asks for us Christ followers to do, but what are the reasons why? There's dozens and dozens. I've chose three to maybe capitalize for the rest of our time. Why in the world would we give? What would possess anybody to actually start doing this? If you are still taking notes with me, which hang in there, hang in there. Um, The first reason is this. Tithing actually provides for God's work through the church. That's what the truth is. Tithing actually provides for God's work to be done through the local church. In Matthew, or sorry, in Malachi 3.10, it actually says this. It says, bring the whole tithe. Bring, it, bring the whole 10% into the storehouse. And you might go, what is the storehouse? That doesn't, the storehouse was an Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. It's kind of the symbolic meaning of bring it into the church. And then here's what it says, that there may be food in my house. Literally, this verse is saying, when you tithe, tithing provides for God to do work through the local church. It actually provides for this thing to happen. Now, here's what fires me up with this first uh, point on this one, is I am so incredibly proud of the way we've done this so far. We're 17 months old as a church, and I am so blown away by what we've done with everything that we've received to this point. If you don't mind, I'm just going to share just a few things with you, some of these things that you know. With the money that we've given collectively as a church, we've been able to give away a brand new pair of shoes, a brand new pair of socks, and a bag to every kid at one of our local elementary schools. 
That's insane. Churches that have existed for thousands of years don't do that type of stuff. And our generosity just had the courage to do that. We've, this last year, baptized almost 40 people. And you might be going, how did my giving relate to that? Your giving literally allows us to be able to put on services like this where people can come and find their lives intersecting with the God of the universe who loves them and is crazy about them. And as they hear about Jesus, we have just heard countless stories over and over again of people who are just saying, I've got to get baptized. Grown adults that are saying, God, for the first time, has intersected with my life and my life is being changed. We've, as a church, just so you know, a lot of you maybe don't even know this, we've invested and equipped 19 other church leaders. Just this last fall, we took a retreat, our staff, and we gathered up all the things that we thought we were doing fairly well as a church. All the systems and the structures and the series and all the things that we have done as a church and we gave it away for free to 19 other church leaders throughout Iowa and Minnesota. And they just, you should have seen their faces. They just looked at us like, no way. You're a brand new church and you're investing in other churches and and our heartbeat, my heartbeat, is we have to. We have to reach more people for Christ further and faster. Since we've started, this might, it blows me away every time I think of it. Since we've started, we've had 1,400 people come through these doors. 1,400 People, come and check out church. And again, I'm just going, no way. People don't get to have that story in the first 16 months, but it's because people have decided that they're gonna give. They're gonna keep the mission moving forward through their financial generosity. We've had 15 life groups with over 400 people total who've gotten involved. That's just nuts to me. In addition to that, we've given away 330 Kids Point bottles. 331 of those bad boys that kids can write their names on. And I'm going, just the the cool factor that kids are hearing about Jesus on their level, your generosity is making such an impact. 330 kids have came for the first time and heard about Jesus on their life. We've easily given over 100 Bibles away at Next Steps. And I'm telling you what, watching that Awake student conference video blows my mind. We had 34 people go to this trip just, you know, they just got back last night. And it's because of the generosity of this church, the generosity of other churches, where people say, you know what, I'm gonna put God first in my finances. I'm going to make sure that the church is funded so that it can keep the work that God wants to do in the city, in the county, moving. And I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for doing that. But if I were to just go, I think we're going on cruise control now. That's, it's been a good ride so far. Man, I would hope that you guys would all write notes to the, my bosses and go, get this guy out of here. Because the truth is, the number that hangs in my office is 22,247. That's the number of people who live in our county. They're within a golf shot of all of our houses. And we have the opportunity to reach them for Christ. And it's through people, right in here, that say, you know what, I'm gonna play my part. What God has blessed me with, I'm gonna give generously. I'm gonna make a move so that God can continue to change people's lives in and through the local church. Why in the world would people give? Why would people do? What would compel anybody to start giving? I'm telling you, stories like the ones I've shared and the stories that are untold yet. 
of our neighbors, of our coworkers, our family members, some of your kids who have not yet came and found out about Christ's love. That's what's gonna compel us each and every time to do that. The, the first reason that we give is tithing provides for God's work through the church. The second reason we give is tithing teaches me to put God first. It actually teaches us to put God first. It's this, man, if you tithe, you actually give out of your income and you're saying, it teaches you to move God to a higher position. You start to go, oh man, God, I'm gonna put you first if I start trusting you with my money. Listen to what Deuteronomy 14 says. It says, the purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Now again, let me remind you, this is what we do naturally. This is what we do naturally as Christ followers is look to put God first in every area of our lives. This is what we just do. This is normal. And again, it just might take a little while before it becomes natural. But the question is, why is this so important? Because it actually takes faith to do this. It takes faith to give to God first. It does not take that much faith to give God leftover chicken. It takes faith, though, if you say, you know what, God, the first and the best part of my income, I'm gonna give to you. The absolute first and the absolute best. And I can hear some of you going, well, Tony, Tony, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I tithe first, if I actually do that, I might have to make some major changes in my life. And I go, yeah, you probably would. Or you, okay, fine. If I actually tithe, if I actually do this, I might have to rearrange my spending habits. And I go, yeah, yep, you, you probably would have to do that. Or Tony, if I, if, I mean, if I actually take the step of faith and start giving first, tithing first, I'd have to completely change my financial lifestyle. And I'd go, that's exactly, that's exactly what God would want us to do is to rearrange our whole financial lifestyle so we're putting him in first place. And you wanna know why I really believe God gave us the, the tithe, the 10%? is because 10%, I'll put it on the screen, is small enough that you can plan for it. 10% is small enough that you can plan for it. But it's big enough that you have to make major changes to do it. That's why God gave us the tithe. Because for a lot of us, you can actually see 10% and you can go, yeah, if I, if I rearranged, if I sacrificed, if I had made the move, we could do that. But boy, that's big. And if I actually did that, I'd have to make some changes. It's small enough that you could see it, big enough that you'd have to really make changes to do it. And I also believe you did the 10% for idiots like me who can't really do math that well. It's just easier to do. But 10%, tithing teaches you to put God first in your life. And listen, on the idea of giving to him first, when we don't, God actually feels like we're robbing him. When we give anything less, listen to what he says in Malachi 3, verses 8 and 9. He says, should people cheat God? He says, yes, you've cheated me. What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you in response? And then God says, you've cheated me of my tithes and offerings due to me. That's where you've cheated me. Now that's a little harsh, but God's going, this is a big deal. What I want to do in and through the local church, what I want to do in the lives of people who are not yet coming is too huge. Would we get on board? 
Would we see our part and then do it? And again, some people might go, well, that's all Old Testament stuff. Did Jesus even talk about it? I mean, we haven't even said the name of Jesus yet. Does he come into the picture on this thing at all? And I'll just share with you one passage where Jesus not only affirms it, but just kind of gets all up in the people's grills about it. Listen to what he says to these religious teachers. Uh, uh, he says this, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious laws and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And catch this. Jesus literally says, you should tithe, yes. It's almost like, that's a no-brainer, you should tithe, but then he kind of ups it and he goes, but don't neglect the more important things. Now some of you are going like, what, what is he saying here? It's almost like Jesus is going, you wanna know it's elementary school? is tithing. That's like the first step. This is, this is kind of like, yes, of course you should. That's a no-brainer. You want to know what's harder? Is when you tithe, and then in addition to that, you don't ignore the widows, the orphans. You don't ignore what's going on in society, and you play a role in providing justice and mercy. Jesus is going, tithe? You've got to be kidding me, of course. I need you to step it up and go bigger. You see what Jesus did always, from Old Testament to New, is he always upped the ante. When it came to like the command, do not murder, Jesus in the New Testament would say, don't even have hatred in your heart. Old Testament, Jesus would say, th or would be things like, do not commit adultery. New Testament, Jesus would say, yeah, that was the Old Testament. You know what, don't even look lustfully with your eyes. Old Testament, tithe, 10%. Jesus would say, New Testament, give your whole life. I'm worth everything. I'm worth absolutely everything. So what does tithing do? Tithing is returning 10%. It's giving God my first. Why should we tithe? The tithing provides for God to do work through the local church. It also teaches me to put God first. And the last thing, tithing builds my faith in God. It builds my faith in God. I want to actually show you guys a video of a, of a family who comes to City Point Church. They, uh, they're incredible people, and they have a story of when they started to give and how it's impacted their life. Check this video out. My name is uh, Torque Whistler, and my wife Trish and I have been attending City Point Church since the beginning. I grew up in a church, and my family was pretty involved, and um, I, like a lot of teenagers, you know, as I got older, I quit going. Uh, I met my wife. Um, we got married in like 93. Um, and I often tell people that we were probably uh, Christians in name only. Um, we didn't, we didn't do a real great job of modeling <laughs> um, what, what God wanted us to do, I think. And um, about 10 years into our marriage, uh, we were we were really struggling and had a lot of uh, lot of financial problems, a lot of uh, just problems with with us. Um, and we had uh, two kids, and we knew that uh, what we were doing wasn't working. And we made the decision that we were going to get back to kind of back to basics. And um, at that point, we really um, tried to uh, 
get back to being more in touch with uh, what God wanted for us, not so much what the world wanted for us. And at that time, the church we were involved in, we became more involved in it. And um, that was when we started tithing. And um, it was really the beginning of turning everything around as far as our family goes and our marriage. I had a really good job and I made really good money doing it. Um, and I just felt like so many things happened that would not have had to happen that way that got me and got us out of the financial situation that we were in that we both just felt like we had to start addressing, uh, I'd call it a biblical truth. That, you know, when God tells you that, that uh, you should give, you probably better give. <laughs> we had a lot of debt, um, and it's not like we woke up one day and we said, okay, well, it says 10%, we're gonna give 10%. Um, we didn't do that, uh, but we made the decision that every check that, that we got, uh, whether it be mine, whether it be Trisha's, um, we were going to give some money out of that. And it just kind of grew from there. The money that we give, the time that we give to City Point, um, that has an effect way beyond um, my life and what I do every day. And it touches way more people than what I could touch by myself. The reason we continue to give is because I've personally seen um, people come to this church that um, I really didn't think I'd ever see there, and um, I've seen it. I've seen the change in people's lives. We see the return on that. It's a return that is very tangible um, because you can see it. Um, every Sunday and a lot of times through the week people that we see and, and uh, we're, we're thrilled with the work that City Point's doing. The more you do what God really wants you to do, the easier uh, things are going to get. Um, and I don't mean that by, um, you know, we don't have problems and we don't have the car doesn't break down and this or that, but it's, it's all part of um, your faith. It really helps us just deal with everything that comes along and that tithing is just part of that piece of the puzzle. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to be a missionary uh, and to be honest, I, 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 hope, I hope that God does not come to me and tell me, Torque, you need to go be a missionary. But you know, if through what I give, that helps somebody that wakes up that has that, has that prompting, um, that's so much bigger than any of us. And to me, that's, that's where you can't outgive God because what you give, um, He's going to multiply that. In, and it, it may not be monetarily. It may be a whole different way. The main thing is just start. Just give a little. Just give what you can and see what it does in your life. The truth is, the only way to end a message like this is to ask you to make a move. 
The best part about that is God in his scriptures, in Malachi 3, says, test me. This is the only time in scripture that, that God says that we can test him. He says, test me and see, just see if I don't open up the floodgates. And does this mean that if you give today, you're going to have great luck tonight at the Riverside Casino? No, this is probably not the idea. But me and Carrie, in our lives, we are so lucky to have Torque share his life story. We've seen God's blessing. We have four incredible kids that are growing up to love God. We have a marriage, Carrie and I do, that I never thought was possible. We don't drive fancy cars. Actually, my, my neighbor who was setting up with me today was like, I might be filing a complaint with how crappy your car looks. He was kidding, by the way. <laughs> but you want to know what was, what's true about our life is we've seen God over and over again show up in this area of giving. And today, what we want to do is kind of offer you an on-ramp, a safe on-ramp. Because again, there's no pressure on this stuff. We actually believe to our core what's normal for Christ followers to do takes a while before it becomes natural. So on our website, this is we're not gonna even make you pull out your phones and do it now. This could be if God prompts you to, we have what we've set up as the 90-day tithe challenge. Some of you are going like, what is that? You wanna know what it is? It's an opportunity for you to put God to the test. And if you sign up to give, you sign up, and after 90 days, God doesn't show up. You don't see God actually having his hand in your life, having his hand in your finances and him taking care of you. We will literally write you a check back. 100%, we won't even ask a question. It's, a, it's just an easy way, safe way for you to say, I'm gonna try it. I'll try. I'll see if this move is literally something that God will honor. Now, I needed to tell you that, but I want to spend the last minute, and I know I'm a little over, telling you again why we have to. Why we have to. Friends, to my core, I bleed for us to reach more people for Christ. To see people who have never came before, They've never had an experience with a church that makes sure that people who are far from God can feel welcome, makes sure that the neighbors and the coworkers and the family members of the people that we run in circles with have a chance to hear about God's love and God's grace. That's really why we have to make this move. We have to continue to reach more people for Christ. And it's gonna take us as a church saying, you know what? I'll be a part of it. And so if you've been sitting on the sidelines, I'm gonna ask you to get into the game. I'm gonna ask you to just play a part. We do our absolute best to put every single dollar that people entrust to this church back into ministry, back into making sure that people can find and hear about the love and grace that Jesus has to offer. I get fired up about that. Last thing on this, Carrie and I, We've never made that much money. We just haven't. Carrie stays at home, and it's a choice that we've been blessed to be able to make. But we've put God first in our finances. We've just trusted him. Even as college grads, over $50,000 worth of debt, 
And we just said, we're just going to do it. We're just going to just see. And God has never failed us. Not once. Never failed us. We've always had enough. We've always been able to make the payments. We've just trusted God. And I'm wondering today if some of you need to take a peek into your life, into your finances, and go, man, maybe this is an area that I need to start trusting God with. I'm going to pray, and we'll ask God if he wants to do that in our hearts. God, thank you so much for today. Thanks so much for a chance to talk about maybe a sensitive subject for some of us because we know the weight of it. Finances are not easy, God, and we know that. A lot of us come in here already feeling strapped, not sure what we're going to do. But God, I pray for your spirit to actually prompt us right now. Those of us in the room who've never got off the sidelines and started trusting you, God, I pray that today would be their day. For others of us in the room who've already taken that step, God, I ask that maybe if, if we've never percentagely give, that we would start doing that. That we'd say, God, I'm gonna trust you with, with 10 or with seven. I'm just gonna give it a shot. I'm going to put you to the test. I'm going to start trusting you. But God, above all that, I want to pray that as we make moves like these, that you would continue to show up in our lives. Ultimately, we want you to become more and more in first place in us because that's the best life that we can have is when you have our whole lives. So God, today, we ask you to move and bless this time. We pray this in your name. Amen.